couple things. Uh, you can go ahead and turn in, in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. It's where we're going to be studying this morning. Proverbs chapter 29. And uh, I am going to be talking this morning about the second lesson that eternity-focused parents need to teach their children. Now, uh, all year we're talking about uh, creating eternity-focused disciples for Jesus Christ. And that's an uphill struggle because most people are not eternity-focused. Most people are focused on today, now, my problems uh, that I'm going through right now. And most people come to church with the attitude, man, just give me a little bit of information or encouragement that will help me make it through today. Well, I want to give you that to help you through the day, but I am a whole lot more interested in pointing you to the day when Jesus returns and the place that you're going to spend eternity with him. Uh, Or if you choose not to go to heaven, the place that you're going to spend eternity with Satan and all of, his, uh, all of his angels. Now, we're turning to Proverbs chapter 29, and you're there, and I just want to share a couple things that are happening uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, on uh, uh, the day before uh, Veterans Day, the 10th of uh, November, we're going to be hosting the AIT Choir, Advanced Individual Training Choir from Fort Lee. It'll be a cool worship time. Uh, but you need to know that we are having only one service that day. And it's going to happen at 10.30. Now, I am emphasizing this to you guys because I don't want you showing up uh, at the typical time and saying, where's church today? Well, you're going to be early and you'll have a chance to go to Starbucks and get another cup of coffee, okay? Because church is going to happen at, tell me what time, out loud. huh? Good, 10.30. And we're going to have lunch after church. And who is bringing lunch? Uh, Great. We are bringing lunch. That is a corporate we, all right? Uh, sometimes people say, uh, you know, we, and point the finger at somebody else. We are bringing lunch. No, we are bringing lunch. It'll be a great time. Also, that Sunday, uh, Jumpstart uh, uh, Ownership class starts on Sunday night, and I'm really looking forward to teaching that cl- class. It's going to be uh, over three uh, uh, consecutive weeks, and that'll go on just month after month after month. And uh, I'm not doing it during December, but it will give you the focus of, Uh, where we are as a church and where we're headed uh, and how we're going to help you uh, to make disciples that can make disciples uh, in uh, your own life and family uh, and community. Well, I want us to turn to Proverbs chapter 29. And uh, this section of scripture teaches a valuable lesson that my mother taught me when I was just a little boy uh, concerning uh, who was going to direct the affairs of our house. Would you read together with me uh, Proverbs chapter 29, and I want to look at verse 17 and 18. It says, Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Where there is no revelation, the word revelation means guidance. Where there is no guidance, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse uh, 18, Jesus makes a promise about the church. And the promise about the church is that though Satan will attack the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But what I want you to understand is that promise is not made for your family or for families in general. No place does Jesus ever say that I will protect the family from all harm. And the truth of the matter is, 
Today, Satan is winning the war for the family in our time. Can I get an amen on that? He's winning the war. It's not he's going to or would like to. He is actually winning the war. And I believe one of his major strategies has to do with our choices and the consequences that they have. Because basically in our society, we have removed all consequences from the choices that we make. I remember buying a lawnmower not very many years ago, about three years ago, and opening up uh, the owner's manual. And in the owner's manual, there was quite an odd statement to me. It said, the manufacturer is not liable for damage done to body parts placed beneath a running lawnmower. And I thought, I wish I would have thought of that. But why have we had to add that statement to, uh, so somebody just isn't stupid with how they run their lawnmower? Well, the reason is there are no consequences anymore for the choices we make. This morning I want to introduce Toby Bowles, and she's going to come and share an incredible story about allowing one of her children to suffer the consequences of her bad choices. Y'all welcome Toby to the stage, please. Good morning. Um, I'm here today to tell you my story of hope. Most of you know that I'm Sarah's mom. Many of you have told me what a great kid she is, and some have even said you hope your child turns out as well as she has. A few others also know I'm Dale's mom, and I've gotten some of the same comments about him. But unless you've been here many years, you may not know my older three children, Timothy, Paul, and Jackie. Like the other four, Jackie was raised here in this church family. She loved worship, youth group, her friends, and camp. She was an honor student in school, an athlete, and all her teachers loved her. Then on October 14, 2003, she suffered a direct hit to the face in a hockey game. She was out of school for two weeks recovering, and when she returned, she was behind, and something happened to change the direction of her life forever. All of a sudden, she was gone. She just simply disappeared. The police brought her home the next morning. This kept happening, and she became more and more disruptive and defiant. I was heartbroken. I tried everything to get some help from her but was unable to because she had not broken any laws. There were days when Neil, Carol, and Shannon's dad, Bill McCracken, spent the day with me showing her picture to people on the streets and asking if they'd seen her. Then came the day when I received the call from my office that the police had her and I needed to go to the police station right away. She had taken the extra car keys out of my pocketbook, took the van, and led police on a high-speed chase up Harrogate Road which ended in a 60-mile-per-hour collision with an 80-year-old woman in Chester. Luckily, no one was killed or permanently injured. I asked police what they could charge her with. They responded that the charges would be unauthorized use of a vehicle and eluding police officers. I said, okay. They looked at me and said, Ms. Bowles, you do understand if we charge her with this, it will be a felony charge. I said, okay. It was the hardest decision I'd ever had to make. The next four years would fill with visits to juvenile detention and mental hospitals and court, and finally ending in a residential treatment facility with countless hours of counseling. I remember crying out to God because this just wasn't right. I'd done what I was supposed to do. I'd told her about Jesus, taught her scripture, and kept her in church. How could this be happening? Fast forward to 2012. Jackie's second child, Braylon, went to MCV for surgery. It went very wrong, and he ended up on life support. 
The first thing Jackie did was keep insisting until she got the surgeon into the room, and finally the medical personnel began moving quickly. The second thing she did was to contact everyone she knew with one simple message. Please pray for Braylon. She stayed by his bedside with prayer, Christian music, and faith. Today, Jackie's the mother of two with her third child due in November. Although I'm sad they don't worship here, she has her children in church every Sunday. She teaches them scripture and how Jesus loves them. She's become a wonderful mother with a great faith that she learned on her own, not the faith I tried to give her. So, if you're experiencing hard teenage years right now with your children, let me encourage you. Remember, God is in control, and he always knows the best outcome. Pray, hope, and trust in him. Never give up. And as long as I can remember, my favorite Bible verse has been Luke 137. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. This morning, I simply want to teach you three things that the Bible in the book of Proverbs teaches you uh, about the choices that your children make. As a matter of fact, uh, God places a huge responsibility on the shoulders of children. Now, uh, I'm sorry, on the shoulders of parents to teach their children uh, the lessons that I want to share with you today. Write them down if you care to. The first uh, lesson uh, that the Bible, uh, the book of Proverbs teaches about consequences is this. Every choice your child makes has consequences. Every choice your child makes has consequences. Now, the word proverb is simply an if-then statement. A proverb is if you do this, then this is going to happen. Now, sometimes there are positives and negatives. Sometimes there are only positives, and at other times there are only negatives. But if you do this there will be a consequence for the choice that you've made. Let's just look at several, and there, uh, there, there are hundreds of them in the book of Proverbs, but go back, if you would, with me to the third chapter, and let's just kind of thumb through and see some of these if-then uh, Proverbs, some of the consequences that are come about because of choices that are made. Now, the Proverbs chapter 3 and uh, verse 10, uh, 11, and 12, this is what you read. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, uh, uh, the son he delights in. Go with me, if you would, to chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19. Another if-then uh, uh, choice consequence statement. It says in verse 18 and 19, the path of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of the day. But the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Or move on to chapter 7. Chapter 6 and 7 of Proverbs is a fascinating two-chapter of one proverb after another after another that directly speak on one issue. And it talks about uh, warning the son about following after an immoral woman or a prostitute uh, or, 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 or an adulteress, it's said. And, and it's one statement after another after another through this section. But I just want to pick up on how it ends. In chapter 7 and verse 24 through 27, he says, Now then, my sons, listen to me 
and pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways, the immoral woman's ways, or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Or move over to chapter 12 and verse 4. There's another if-then statement. Uh, and uh, uh, this has to do uh, with the choice of who you're going to marry. Look and see what it says. It says a, a noble wife of, I'm sorry, a wife of noble character is a husband's crown. But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. How many are concerned about uh, the person that your child might one day marry? The choice that they make there is a very, very important choice. Right across the page from that is a verse of scripture that I've just checked. I've tried my best to assign other people to preach on this verse of scripture. Nobody's bid on it before. But look what it says in chapter 11, verse 22. It says, like a gold ring and a pig snout is a beautiful woman who shows no, discre no discretion. Uh, you know, I thought about, we could build a sermon, whole service out of that sermon, uh, you know, serving bacon and ham, sausage for uh, uh, communion. And, but, but isn't that what he's talking about? That she may look beautiful on the outside, but what's she like on the inside? What's her spirit like is what he says. Chapter 13 and verse 20 is another one of those if-then statements. It says in verse 20, He who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Chapter 13, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse 11 says this, The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. You may not have everything. You may live in a tent, but if you're upright, it will flourish. And no matter how large your house is, if you're wicked, it will be destroyed. Chapter 17 is one last one that I want you to look at. Chapter 17, verse 30, uh, 30, 13, 14. It says, if a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Now, our world thinks otherwise. Our world thinks that, you know, you do not have to pay the consequences for the choices that you make, but God says over and over and over again in his word, you make a choice no matter what that choice is, and you're going to have to pay the consequences for that choice. If the choice is a right choice, there will be good consequences to receive. But if that choice goes against the direction of God's word, you can bet on it that you're going to have to pay the consequences. Now that is foreign in our day today, but parents, your job is to teach your children that valuable lesson. As a matter of fact, that's the second thing that we learn in the book of Proverbs. Write it down. God expects you, parent, speaking to parents or grandparents, God expects you to properly teach your child that his or uh, her choices have consequences. To properly teach them that their choices have consequences. Now let me ask you this question. What's the best way to teach your child that their choices have consequences? Can I get it in a word? Anybody have a word that would describe how to teach your child that what their choices, especially bad choices, that they have consequences? Somebody raise your hand. And give me a word. Yes, ma'am. 
Let, let it happen. That's, let it happen. That's three words, but that's okay. Uh, I, and we're right on target with that. And uh, we're, we'll focus on all that. And by the way, that's exactly what Toby did, right? She let the, her daughter's bad choices. And, and I got to tell you, because I was there with Toby during this, it was not a situation that first time, bingo, you're going to jail. All right? That was not it. She begged, she pleaded, she did everything she possibly could. And finally, she just said, had to say, Jackie, you know, I know where you are when you're in jail. I know where you are when you're locked up. Somebody else. Hey, I'm looking for one word. One word. Yes, sir. Switch. I, I, I'm using the word pain, all right? I'm using the word pain exactly the same way. My mama never used the switch. She used a fly swatter, right? But the same, it's exactly the same deal. Now, a parent's responsibility, God-given responsibility, is to help their children experience the pain or the consequence of their bad choices. Now, I want to give you four Proverbs. Remember, a proverb is an if-then statement. If you do this, then this will occur. Uh, 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 Four statements, four Proverbs about punishing our children. And I know that there's so many today, and so many things that you're reading today, said, oh, no, 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 never punish your children. If you punish your children, you might harm uh, their personality. They won't grow up uh, with a free spirit. And I'm saying, who wants their kid to have a free spirit? You know, I I want them to to be creative, but they need to be focused. They, uh, you know, a free spirit is kind of like a a wild stallion. Now, I want to take that wild stallion, and I raised two of them, although they were girls, and I'm not sure what a female stallion is, but I wanted to be able to kind of corral, you know, their energy level and get them pointed in the right direction. You know what I'm talking about? And that requires pain. Now, I, I don't know how you go about doing that, and a lot of books are saying, oh, no, 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 don't do that. And by the way, whoever decided that it was a good idea for there never to be losers in a soccer game? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no pain, just show up and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, dilly-dally around. Don't follow the coach's advice. And at the end of the day, everybody wins. Now, my, uh, my granddaughter uh, is playing uh, flag football. And they have gotten blitzed. Well, they haven't gotten blitzed. They've gotten beaten every single game. Uh, right? Is that right? Or did they have one tie? They had one tie. Hallelujah, they tied. Until yesterday. And yesterday, they beat the best team in the league. Okay? They beat the best team in the league. 30 what? 30-something to 14. They whipped them. You know, they just whipped them. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling they would have never beat that best team in the league had the coach just said, hey, let's just enjoy the game, don't worry about the score, da 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 alright now this is upward uh, upward football, and uh, anybody ever been to an upward football or basketball game they have cheerleaders that cheer upward, upward, you know, and I thought, I was there for two weeks thinking, the honest truth I thought they were cheering off and I, why are you wanting these kids to be awkward, you know, and then I was reminded, it's upward, you know okay, it makes sense, alright, let's, let's go to four passages of scripture that talk about pain in uh, uh, chapter 13 and verse 24. Chapter 13, verse 24. I am not asking you to agree with me on what the Bible has to say about punishing your children. I'm just asking you to listen to the Lord who created your child as to what he has to say about it. All right? And we'll talk about what he says after we read these three passages, uh, four passages of scripture. 
Chapter 13, verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Go to chapter 19 and verse 18. Chapter 19 and verse 18. says, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 20, verse 30. Blows and wounds cleanse away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. Chapter 22, verse 15. And keep your Bible open here because we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Now, I think there are at least four questions that you need to ask whenever you are disciplining disciplining your child. Question number one you have to ask, is my correction done out of love or frustration? Can I get anybody to admit with me that there's been at least one time in your child's life that you meted out discipline when you were angry with them? Can I get anybody to admit with me that any time that you have disciplined your child out of anger, you did not get a positive result out of them? Man, I, I never did. I never did. I believe you always must ask uh, the question, am I angry? And if I'm angry, wait. Wait to what? Wait until you're not angry anymore. Does that mean forget about the punishment? No. But it does mean punish your child uh, in the proper, proper frame of mind. Question number two. Is your motive to train up or to beat down your child? Remember, uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Train up. Give them direction. Last week we learned that that meant get them started on the right way. But folks, I want to tell you, the word also has an idea of keep them headed in the right direction. My mother and your parents, I'm sure, had times in your life when they saw the direction you were leading and they had to grab you by the ears and get you headed in the right direction. I remember that. I hadn't even thought about that. But when my mama really wanted my attention, it was these things. She would grab my earlobes and turn my head so I was looking nose to nose with her. You know what I'm talking about? And she would say, son, are you listening to me? Not are you hearing me, but are you listening to me? Did she want to, be, uh, to uh, train me up or beat me down? I had a friend, uh, that minister friend of mine, that said he was eight years old before he realized that his name was not shut up. And if our children only hear negative out of our mouths, we are not training them up. I'm not sure, and psychologists have decided how many positive reinforcements a kid needs to hear for every negative one, and I don't know what those numbers are, but I know that they hear a whole lot more positive reinforcement about what they do uh, than what they don't do. Bob Nearman, maybe you've heard me say this before, was my youngest daughter's uh, travel soccer coach. Uh, and she, he was by far the best coach. 
uh, of, uh, of uh, children I've ever seen in my life because Bob had a knack, and he's right back here. Bob had a knack of pulling the kid off, a girl off the field uh, and explaining to her that that's not how we do it on this team. Do you understand? We're not doing it this way on your team. But over and over and over again, I heard him he, he conclude the, uh, that with a statement of encouragement. Now, I know you can do this. You're a great player. Let's try to do it this way. I know we'll do better. Don't you think so? And the girl will say, yeah, I think so, Coach Bob, you know, and go on and do the thing. That's what you've got to do. Is your motive uh, to train them up or beat them down? Number three, is your language clear and age appropriate? Now, this is important. Is your language clear? Will they understand what you're trying to uh, get them to do? And is it age appropriate? Now, my daughter's running slides this morning. I'm always supposed to ask her for her permission to share uh, an illustration about her. Can I share this illustration about you? <laughs> no, I can't. This is all about me. I remember Angela was little. She was little. I mean, she was about three, I think, uh, probably three. And uh, I, uh, she had done something. Uh, her mom had told her not to do something. And uh, she had, uh, uh, you know, sassed or something. I don't remember what she had done. That wasn't the point. What I do remember is this. I sat her down, and I decided I needed, you know, I wasn't going to uh, spank her out of frustration or anything like that. I want her to understand why she's going to get punished. So I sat her down, and I said, Angela, apologize to your mother. And she just sat there and stared at me. And so, a little bit more forceful, <clears throat> Angela, you need to apologize to your mother for what you've done wrong. And she just stood there and stared at me, you know. And for the third time, I, you know, okay, you're going to get this. Angela, if you don't apologize to your mama, I'm going to have to punish you, and I'm going to spank you for not apologizing to your mother. And she just stood there and stared at me. And the light bulb went off in my head. I'm not very, very smart. I really am not. And I realized, I wonder if Angela knows what the word apologize means. So I asked her. Do you know what it means to apologize to your mother? And huge elephant tears came down her cheeks, and she said, no, Dad, I don't know. Now, how can you punish? You know, I want to go get the uh, switch and give it to her. You know what I'm saying? And I, just, I had to apologize to her. I had to apologize to her at that point in time. Uh, and then I went on with the conversation about, you know, you're, you're, you need to listen to your mama and all that sort of thing, but I doubt she got a spanking. Uh, at that point in time, I really, really do. Number four, always ask, is your correction Christ-centered and eternity-focused? You see, if your correction is not Christ-centered, and by the way, that has to come from the Word of God, and if it's not focused on getting them to heaven one day, not about pleasing people around you, not about having uh, the most successful kids in the world, not about, uh, you know, their, their behavior ought to be thus and so. You know, there was one lesson that my Uncle Forrest was a pastor. He taught me when our girls were tiny, 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 and that I, 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 my girls never, never heard this statement out of my lips. He taught me this. My girls never, ever heard, do this or don't do this, because your daddy's a preacher. Because the fact that their daddy was a preacher had nothing to do with their choices, and they understood that. They were not going to be raised as preacher's kids. And I didn't really care what everybody else thought about what my kids did, because if you ever 
talk to me about what my kid did, I was going to point out something about your kid. As a matter of fact, I'd probably point out three or four things about your kid. Because it's not about me being a preacher that they had to do things right, okay? So many people are so worried about what everybody thinks about their kids that that's their only motivation for correcting them. Is your correction Christ-centered and eternity-focused? If you're a parent or your grandparent, I would give you a great resource on, uh, on uh, disciplining and raising your children. Write it down. The guy's name is Ted, T-E-D-D, Ted Tripp. And the uh, title of the book is Shepherding Your Child's Heart. Shepherding Your Child's Heart. You can get it on Kindle. Uh, uh, you, you can get it at uh, Barnes & Nobles. You'll be able to pick it up there. Number one, the first thing that Proverbs teaches is that every choice your child makes has a consequence. Number two, God expects you as a parent to properly teach your child that his choices have consequences. Parent, that is your God-given job. Don't shirk it. Grandparent, that is your God-given job. Don't shirk it. Church member, that is your God-given job. Don't shirk it. I know it is not in vogue today, and I'm not talking about beating to a pulp somebody else's kid. I'm not even talking about doing that with your own kid. But I realize it's not in vogue today to call out somebody else's child and say, is that the way we act here in church? You know, kids run around like crazy and up and down the stage and run through the hallways and parents all around saying, well, not my kid, not my job to do anything about it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right? So you, you, you don't punish them. Just pull them aside like, man, I remember growing up in church where that happened to me lots of times. And it almost always ended with this statement. Neil, if you don't get this, I'll go tell your mama. And that was all the threat I needed, all right? That was all I needed because I knew what mama would do. Uh, lesson number three. If you don't teach this lesson that choices have consequences to your children your family's going to face even bigger consequences. All right? If you don't teach them this and the small things of life, your family is, and I'm saying that, your family. Not just your child, but your family. Not just this generation, but the next generation, and even the next generation is going to suffer because somebody didn't teach a child how they should go. Now, there are three things, three consequences, that if you don't teach your children that their choices have consequences, here in this verse of Scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 15, uh, that is taught to us. Let me read the verse again. It says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Let me give you three consequences that will occur, will happen. I promise God says they'll happen. They will happen in your child and in your family if you do not teach them this valuable lesson, that consequences come from choices. Number one, you will bind up sin in your child's heart. You will bind up sin in your child's heart. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The word folly, your translation may be foolishness, literally means to fail to live up to God's standard. Another word for that is what? Sin. Sin is bound up 
in your child's life. No, in your child's heart. Now, the book of Proverbs says that the heart is the wellspring of, of life, Proverbs 4.23. And in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Parent, do you know I want to know why your child is rebellious? It's because they have a sinful heart. You want to know why your child sasses you back when you give them instructions? It's because they have a sinful heart. You want to know why your child lies with his mouth? It's because their heart is sinful. Do you want to know why they act out in anger? It is because sin is bound up within their heart. And folks, I want you to understand this. If you do not teach your children that there are consequences for the choices they make when they are wrong in what they're making, you are binding sin in their heart even stronger than it's ever been before. Now, statistics show overwhelmingly that the uh, number of especially men incarcerated today came out of a home that had no father influence. Is it 70-some percent, 75, 80 percent of everybody, uh, every man incarcerated today is there, and, and they had no father figure in their home. Now, what I want to tell you is, and what we're learning in our men's Bible study, a, a, a dad can be in the home and not even be in the home. You know what I'm talking about? Average dad spends three or four minutes a day talking with their child, and you don't really have a clue what they've done today, much less giving you the opportunity to uh, teach them uh, the situation of their heart. Folks, I just want you to understand. Your child was born with a heart that uh, just it was sinful. The Bible says it. David says that. And they don't have to learn to lie. Aaron and I were having this conversation. But it was, Aaron, was it two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, and, and I was talking about uh, 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 Jude, and he's back there in the back, and I'm loving watching them play in the back today. And we were talking about Jude, and I said, you know, uh, Jude hadn't learned to lie yet but he will. And Aaron said, oh, yes, he has. And, and Jude's three, is that right? And back, matter of fact, he said, Jude came out lying. You know, I, he, he just, you know, I just went in. Our kid, and more often than not, we want to blame it on their friend. Well, our child would never do anything, but their friends taught them to do that. No, they didn't. It was already in their heart. And if you do not learn to discipline your child properly and teach them that there are consequences for their choices, folks, I want you to understand that you are just binding sin even stronger in your heart. Number two, you will remove from your child's heart, uh, mind, the heart of the gospel. You'll remove from your child's mind the heart of the gospel. It says folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. I want to talk, the word rod means two different things. I want to focus on the first meaning of the word rod here, uh, rod here, and that's the rod of discipline. You know that switch uh, that you were talking about, uh, that rod of discipline, that's one part of what it means. You know what most people think the gospel is? Most people today think the gospel is God loves you and he wants to forgive your sins. But that's not the gospel that the Bible teaches. What did you see when you put your offering 
uh, at the foot of the cross and you looked in the mirror. I hope you saw yourself. Because, folks, I want you to understand, if it weren't for you and your sinful actions and attitudes, Jesus would have never gone to the cross. The Bible says the cross was about one thing, and it was about punishment. It was about consequences. It was about paying the consequence for your sin. The Bible says Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. And when you take away the consequences of sin from your children and don't show them that the, their actions have consequences, you are, you are removing, in essence, the very heart of the gospel. One last thing. When you do not teach your child that their actions have consequences, you will teach your child to reject God's authority over their lives. You will teach your child to reject God's authority over their lives. Folly's bound up in the heart of a child, that's sin, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The word rod uh, has the idea of the spanking tool, but it also has the idea of the scepter of authority. Same word is used for a king that would hold up his scepter uh, of rule. Last week we talked about the fear of the Lord, and we talked about the fact that uh, God created everything and made everything, and so he has the right to tell us how to do our lives. That means authority. Folks, I want you to understand that when you do not discipline your child, you are taking the rod, the scepter of authority out of their mind as far as God is concerned. Why Satan works so hard to remove all the consequences and the choices from our culture is because he wants to remove the scepter of authority out of a parent's hand. You see, because if he can remove the scepter of authority out of a parent's hand, he removes it out of a teacher's hand. And if he can remove it out of a teacher's hand, he knows he can remove it out of the hand of justice. And if he can remove it out of the hand of justice, then that person will say, nobody has the right to tell me what I'm going to do with my life. And parent, without teaching your child that their choices have consequences, that's exactly what they're doing. I want you to go back very quickly, and I want to close with an illustration. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17 and 18, an illustration from the home that I grew up in. It says, Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Where there is no restraint, I'm sorry, revelation, the word is guidance. Where there is no guidance the people cast off restraint. Folks, I want to tell you, when there's no guidance for your children, they will cast off restraint. I believe all kids have a kid that they like to throw up in their parents' face. Did y'all have one? Mine was Petey Johnson. I thought Petey Johnson was the coolest thing in the world, and the reason I thought he was the coolest thing in the world was because his mom and dad never told him no to anything. As a matter of fact, I never saw his mom and dad, hardly ever. We could go to Petey Johnson's house in the morning, at lunchtime, at nighttime, and his mom and dad, they were never, ever around. They just kind of let Petey do whatever Petey wanted to do. And I was constantly throwing up to my mom, always, Petey Johnson's mom and dad don't make him do this. That's not a good thing to say your mom, <laughs> ever. There was one sentence that shaped her life in my early years more than any other sentence, and I heard this sentence verbatim over and over and over again. 
Son, I don't care what Petey Johnson's mama and daddy do. And then she would quote a verse of scripture. You're going to love this. But as for me and my house, we're going to do it this way. Because that's the way God told us to do it. Now we have parents around us today. I believe we all desire that our children have a strong faith. But the reality is, what we see in our children's faith is simply a mirror image of our faith. And folks, I want you to understand, the image your children will see when they look in the mirror tomorrow is the image that you see when you look in the mirror today. Choices have have consequences. And if you choose not to teach your child that, you're going to have some major consequences in your life. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I know with all my heart that uh, you have uh, total knowledge of how to raise up children. And Father, I just pray that this morning you will teach us here this morning, all of us, parents, grandparents, uh, individuals within this church family that are around children all all the time, that our job, our responsibility, number one, is to teach them to fear you, we learned last week, and number two, is to teach them that their choices have consequences. Thank you, Father, for teaching us this lesson today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.